Hello and welcome back to the Inner Network Podcast. I'm your host, Kyla Kaplan, and today I'm so excited to be joined by Lex Nico. Lex started off her career in the blogging world and since then has held various roles at companies like Google, Amazon, and Sportsnet. Currently, she's on the creator content and partnerships team at Pinterest, where she oversees global inclusion and diversity initiatives with creators and influencers. Lex is also the host of one of my favorite podcasts, the One Last Thing podcast, where she does a roundup of pop culture news every week. So if you're like me and always love a good Bachelor or Benefer update, then be sure to tune in. In today's episode, we talk more about her experience navigating the early blogging world to finding her niche, how to successfully pitch yourself to a brand, and advice she has for aspiring content creators. As always, you can find all of the links in the show notes, but in the meantime, I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, Lex. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Hi, it's so nice to be here. Oh, I'm so excited. This is like the highlight of my Monday. Mondays for me are always so dreaded, but I'm like, mm-hmm. yay, I get to talk to Lex today. I'm so excited. I know it's going to be a good chat. Even just our little preamble was really good. <laughs> I know. I know people, people have no idea. Um, <laughs> they don't. Before we get started, I always love to ask what you're most looking forward to this week. Oh my goodness. Well, okay. I was just telling you that I've recently relocated from Toronto to Los Angeles. Um, And I've been living between a hotel and corporate housing for the last month. So allegedly my moving truck is coming tomorrow and I have, I have an apartment that I've been paying rent at. Oh my gosh. I am very much looking forward to my moving truck coming and having all my stuff here. So fingers crossed it actually comes. That's a long (laughs) truck for, they like, everything is from Toronto to to LA, what was that like mm-hmm. a day and a half, two days? Yes. Yeah, so when they packed it up, they packed everything up the same day that I left and they said it could take anywhere from two or sorry, four to 24 days. And now they obviously surpassed that timeline. And they said that there was an issue at the border with the truck, not my stuff. So, I mean, as long as it gets here in one piece, it's all good. Yeah. Like, <laughs> There's been so many hiccups. I'm like, whatever, dude, just arrive. (laughs) Well, I'm hopeful and I'm sure we'll see once you move into your place, we'll follow along on Instagram. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, before we dive into all the questions, I'd love if you could give an intro of yourself, maybe, you know, a quick background and how you got started in your career. Of course. Yes. So, I mean, I'm Lex. I go by Lex Nico on literally all of my social media channels. I work in tech by day. I work with content creators by day and by night I'm a content creator myself. So I started blogging, like blogging, that's like, that's it. That's the tweet. Yeah. I started blogging (laughs) as a content creator. Um, So I've been a creator for a while and I've sort of followed this evolution of content through the blog world and websites to social media um, and from social media with photos into video and the way people diversify their content 
in this day and age is just so it's like magical for me to see as somebody who's obsessed with content. But yeah, that's pretty much it. It was always just like a passion thing for me that kind of, you know, I think I got into it at the right place, right time. It really started to evolve. And I somehow was able to find this intersection between the work that I was doing in tech with content creation. And now that's what I do in my day life. I work at Pinterest, which we talked about. Um, and I do, I work in inclusion and diversity with content creators. That's such an amazing role. And I love mm-hmm. to see it. You mentioned blogging. When did you start that? Oh my gosh, I'm going to age myself. I started, <laughs> I just realized that it was this past April. I had, a, I started a blog in April of 2011. Oh my goodness. So I don't blog anymore. I have a podcast now, which is hosted on my blog, but like all of the posts are there. But yes, I started blogging. I still have the website to this day. It hosts my podcast now. And I really just started, I was working in finance. I started my career in finance and I wanted this, I wanted to maintain this creative outlet with a blog. I was like basically posting things and it's very full circle that I work at Pinterest because my little elevator pitch of my original blog, once I started to monetize was that it was Pinterest before Pinterest, because it was like every day of the week, I would post fashion posts, beauty posts, food, home decor, and then like a five, a fast five roundup of like other bloggers that I was loving that week. So I had this like schedule and it just housed all my favorite things. And then I started making my own content. Mm -hmm. I feel like too, when it comes to blogging, a lot of the, you know, influencers that we see today, that's how, and content creators, that's how they started. Like we look at like Marianne Hewitt, for example, like one of my faves, like she started blogging as well from 2011 until now, like it's changed so much. How, like, how have you seen the industry just as a whole change? Oh my gosh. I mean, first of all, just like the whole saturation of it all. And also just the lower barrier to entry in terms of what it, not what it takes to be a content creator, but a lower barrier to entry of like who can become a content creator. I think in the world of blogging, when I look back to those like, you know, mid like 20, 2011 era of it all, the Laguna beach era, as I like to call it. Like, I I love that era. (laughs) Right. But so much was about like, this perfectly curated image, like the bag you were wearing, everything, like the outfit, if you could travel. And there was this like deep curation to content and that was the value. Mm -hmm. And so the barrier to entry was higher because it costed a lot of money to maintain that aesthetic. Yeah. Um, And now we see this world of evolution, this evolution of content where it's like anybody can be a content creator. If you, you know, are engaging yourself or you make people laugh or your words of encouragement, like all you really need is a phone and you're a content creator. And that to me is really, really cool. And I also think that just speaks to that evolution and shift that we've seen into authenticity with content where it isn't as much about that perfectly curated image um, and more so about almost the person behind the content and the personality with it. I think you know, back then it was a bit more acceptable to have a wide range of topics that you were talking about, like you mentioned fashion, beauty, et cetera. But now I feel like it's, it's Mm -hmm. more tailored. People are saying, find your niche. At what point did you, you know, realize that, you know, maybe I don't need to find my niche or maybe I do need to find my niche. Like how was that conversation internally with yourself? Oh my gosh. So mine was extremely internalized. I went through a period as I would say this was probably like 
four or five years into my blogging where, you know, I had, I had evolved myself from posting other people to, you know, I started looking, I work in tech. So I like ended up posting one of my, my own outfits and like my analytics on that post were wild. And I was like, wait, do people want to see me and like what I'm doing? And so I started sharing, you know, recipes that I was making or my home or my outfits, my skincare. And like that, the analytics just started to grow. And then Instagram happened and everyone was sharing their life. And I was sharing it in this very curated way. And I just didn't like it. I like, I found even getting up to go take photos to be like a huge chore. And what was happening behind the scenes was like, I actually ended up being diagnosed with chronic depression. I, my mental health was struggling. It was like very unrecognizable to me at first, but I started to notice that like that was really happening. So I started to kind of pull back on the blogging and Instagramming for like a couple of years. And I would say around 2017, end of 2017, beginning of 2018 is when I really found my niche because I was like in this state of depression where like, I didn't even want to get out of bed and take photos. And so I started this shift on my Instagram into like sharing about my tweets and about celebrity and entertainment news and pop culture because through the evolution of Instagram and with uh, Instagram stories happening, I started in my stories instead of just sharing, like I like reserved my life for Snapchat and I Mm -hmm. posted about my content on Instagram stories. But what I started doing on stories was every Monday I would talk about the bachelor or the bachelorette or bachelor in paradise. Yeah. And I would like live (laughs) talk about it in my stories. And again, going back to the data, I noticed on Mondays, my story engagement would spike. Yeah. And then it got to the point where if there were some days that I was like out for dinner on a Monday, or I just didn't, you know, do the live stories during the commercials on Instagram, people started DMing me being like, are you not talking about the bachelor tonight? Like, are you not posting about the bachelor? And I was kind of like, hold on, there's something here. And this is a way where I don't have to share so much about myself every single day and produce this content that like I am the face of, but I can talk about pop culture. People are engaged in that and I can make it funny. Mm -hmm. And I can like talk about myself by being like humorous and a little self-deprecating, but also honest, right? Right. So that's where I saw that shift happen. And I went full-fledged into that in 2018. And I've been like focused in that direction ever since. I feel like too, when it comes to engagement on that specific level, like there's a lot of people that look forward to that type of content. So, Mm -hmm. you know, for example, for myself, if I'm watching The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, like my boyfriend's probably not watching with me and I want to talk to somebody about it. Exactly. And it's like you that I would be, you know, during commercials or during the ads or whatnot, I'll be on Instagram. So, you know, I think that's so needed and it's so nice that you were able to find a way to connect but also have that level of separation. Totally. It's like a delicate balance because it's like you want to be available and like relatable. So I feel like I'm relatable in, you know, the tweets that I write or the memes that I make or having commentary on like a viral pop culture moment, like Benefer 2.0, let's say. (laughs) So it's like I can relate in those things, but it also isn't always me as the face of the story, you know? I want to get back into social media and blogging and, you know, being a content creator just overall, you know, and how that's related to monetizing, because I think a lot of the times when people do get started in the industry, the end all be all is 
making money from it, which I mean, that's totally fair. I think it's, it's nice to have a, you know, a side hustle and a lot of people, you know, really say like, you should have X amount of streams of income, which is a little bit daunting and I can get into that in a a whole separate topic, but (laughs) that's a conversation over drinks. (laughs) I know. (laughs) But when it comes to, you know, monetizing, at what point did you realize that it was possible and you know, what avenues or resources did you really tap into to be able to educate yourself on how to monetize your brand? So a couple of things, like, again, going back to those blogging days, um, you know, just given the nature of the time of it, it was like early in my career, which meant it was early in a lot of my friends' careers. And so some of them got into like PR and marketing and things like that. And what happened with my blog was like, I started having some of my friends who were working in PR being like, oh, can I send you this? Can I send you this? And you're like, write about it. Or can I send you this like shampoo and conditioner? And I was just like, wait, I think that if I ask people for stuff, they'll like give it to me if I write about it. Yeah. <laughs> and I, it was this weird aha moment. And then I was like, wait, I think people will pay me to do this. So it, it started really early on to see that area of opportunity. But I always, I was never somebody that wanted to be a content creator full time. Like I love doing it out of the curiosity of it. And I also love working and I love now that I have this intersection, but I never had any intention of being like a full-time content creator. So even having the opportunity to monetize is amazing. But I think with like Instagram and coming out of the blog world and like monetizing my blog a little bit, but with Instagram, really seeing how quickly you could like build an engaged audience and understanding like the analytics of it all, I realized, okay, there is a way that you can really tap into this audience. And, you know, again, I go back to that word luxury. I have the luxury of like recommending only what I want to, to my audience, because this isn't like my full-time job and being really like choosy in those partnerships that I want to work on. And that's when I sort of leaned into, okay, I wanted, I I will monetize this to a degree, but like, I want to make sure that it still feels real to me. And I think too, when it comes to monetizing, like now more than ever, you're seeing that You don't have Mm -hmm. to have a million or a hundred K or whatever followers to partner with brands. At what point did you realize you mentioned like you noticed your engagement started increasing, but was there a certain number? Was there, you know, because you can see the trends in the analytics, obviously, like, you know that, but was there a point where like you said, I'm ready to start pitching myself to brands and asking for money? Again, like I was monetizing my blog before Instagram But what was interesting was like watching the shift as Instagram grew. And as I got to like 10,000 followers, 15,000 followers to saying like, oh, now these brands, like they don't really care about my blog anymore, or I'm not getting as many blog deals. They want straight Mm -hmm. Instagram or Instagram and tweets. Like, um, so I would really say it started probably around like that first 10 K that I felt I could go get like a little bit of money, but it would probably be in the, like, I probably only started to really make like solid monetization in the last two years off of my Instagram. 
And then we've seen things like TikTok. I've had yeah. like a few monetized opportunities as well. Um, but it really comes down to that, that Instagram and Instagram stories. But I've also seen a shift in people or brands wanting you to do a post on your, like a grid post, a static post versus doing a collection of stories, which makes sense because like I see really great engagement on my stories. Whereas, you know, on a grid post, I might not necessarily see the strongest engagement if it's an ad. Right. And I think too, it's always going to be there. Like, unless you save your yeah. stories, like in highlights or something when it comes to like the behind the scenes of pitching. Cause I think when it comes to that, a lot of people are interested on like, you know, let's actually get down to the details of it all. Like, do you yourself, like you obviously probably have, you know, a pitch deck, but what do you include in that? Like, what are the do's and don'ts? Um, yeah, if you're able to share those. I mean, now I have a manager, which is such a blessing because they put my pitch deck together and I share my analytics with them, like on a monthly basis. Um, but really there's like a few things when I was pitching myself that I really thought about. And I started seeing great traction when I curated my deck in this way. There's obviously who I am, the person behind the brand, giving insight into me and like what I represent as a personal brand. Then again, tech nerd, it's like the data, like here's my average engagement. <laughs> here's my engagement across things like my podcast, like my stories, my Instagram, Twitter, my collective following, but also looking at that engagement rate is like way stronger than your following. So getting into the analytics, both as an aggregate, but also broken down by platform and then also product tool within the platform because mm -hmm. you never know what people necessarily want. And then lastly, showing the example. So I would say one thing that I did very early on that was a smart thing was I would show even some of those non-monetized opportunities, like a product feature or whatever, I would take those when a brand would send me product and I would post about it. And I would take, like, I would almost do like a wrap-up report of that post and go back to the brand. Yeah. And then you build this relationship and then you start, then they come back to you and they're like, okay, well, we do want to work with you on something monetized. And so it's like, you show them what you can do and the return that they can get. And then you parlay that into a paid opportunity. Um, so that third component of like that pitch deck was really about those case studies. Like here are some of the top brands that I've worked with. Here's like a couple examples of like what the content actually looks like. And here's like some few, a few lines of like what the actual results were. So, you know, it's like, who am I? Right. What can I actually give you in mm -hmm. terms of analytics? And then like, here's what it looks like altogether. Yeah, I really love that because I think brands, I mean, every brand loves a wrap up report. And I, I think it's like, it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like showing them essentially like what they're missing out on. I know. I always used to equate it, you know, um, in Legally Blonde when Elle Woods gives in her resume and they're like, oh, it's pink and yeah. it's scented. For me, I was always like, that's going to be my little like pink and scented offering, right? Like, yeah. You're like, I really like this. And, you know, even with the evolution of Instagram, sometimes it was just as quick of like a follow-up to the person that sent me like an unboxing. And I'd be like, Hey, thank you so much for sending this. Like, I really love it. Like here are the results or whatever, if you want to use it in your wrap up and it's a gamble, they could never write you again and take that and use it to their advantage. But I would say like eight times out of 10, they would come back to me and be like, thank you. That's awesome. Like, let's talk about future opportunities, or we actually have this coming in the next month or two. Like, would you be interested? And it's again, relationship building. Yeah. No, that's super huge because you never know, like you said, when a brand will want you for, you know, a specific mm -hmm. 
activation or a campaign, if it's stories, if it's Ingrid post. Something that I'm really curious about is reaching out to the actual person. So, you know, there's obviously the catch-all email address. Is that what you would typically, you know, shoot for and do a cold email? Or is it a lot of people mm-hmm. now have their titles and their bios, you know, you know who they are, what team they work for. So like, which route would you go for? And is it crossing like a line of professionalism if you were to DM somebody on Instagram? So I, I like used to, if I knew like the, if I had like a contact at a PR agency from people sending me, I would always ask them to send me an updated list of their like clients, which Mm -hmm. they normally would do so that you knew what brands they had in their roster. And then I would like be like, Oh, I'd love to pitch this brand. Is that, are you the point of contact? Is there somebody else? And they're happy to share that because you have that relationship with the PR agency already. But if I want to work with a particular brand, I do two things. One, I like start organically posting them. Like if I try something and I like it, I post it because I want like them to know that I, I do love their brand or their product. Mm-hmm. And with that, oftentimes they respond like to that actual like organic post, either with a thanks so much, or we're glad you love it. Right. And then I actually start a conversation with like the brand social media. Like I'm not going to mm-hmm. look for the person with like the brand in their title or in their bio. Yeah. I actually just start talking to the brand. And normally the social media person has some type of copy being like, you can email so-and-so, or you can email like social at the brand. And like, that's how I start the relationship. Right which feels a little less intrusive in my opinion. Um, just because, yeah, like I know myself, it's like, I have my title in my, um, Instagram and stuff, but I also feel like I don't always have the time to get back to everybody Mm -hmm. unless I've already spoken to them. So it's, you know, I know that it's probably better to just reach out to the brand directly. Right. No, that's a really good point because it, now more than ever, a lot of brands are a lot better with replying to organic posts. And exactly. that's the perfect way to just kind of slide into the mm-hmm. DMs. And show them some love, which always helps. Yeah, absolutely. So when it comes to someone starting as a content creator today, what's you know a piece of advice that you would have for them as they kind of start this journey? I mean, again, I go back to that community piece and like the biggest advice I can give is just show that love to the community. And that's going to be time consuming. The amount of hours that I spend in my DMs, like even to this day, and I'm I'm not, I can't respond as frequently, but like I would start where it was like every single day I would block off two like batch times of 30 minutes or one of 60 minutes when I'm like watching TV and like respond back and forth with people in the DMs, respond to comments on all of my posts. Like having that engagement is so key to like show that love back to people, especially in the early days, because it's like all you can offer them is essentially that white glove service as we like to call it. You know, (laughs) I'm so techy. It's so embarrassing. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I know you can relate, which is awesome, (laughs) but, um, I just feel like showing people that respect back if they took the time to show you some love, to give it back and serve it back to them was like the number one key to me building an engaged following. And so I always say in the beginning, do that. Like if people are, you know, following you and you go check out their comment content, like even dropping a comment or two on their content, if they're public always helps, especially if they're another creator, 
And so that is like always my number one piece of advice of how to start. And it's time consuming, I know, but it's worth putting in the time and effort. And honestly, if you're, if you want to be a content creator, like you're going to have to put in the time somewhere. So you might as well put it in, in an area that will give you a return, you know? Yeah, no, that's so important. And it's so worth it because it's not just followers. It's not just people that are, you know, in your community. They're also for like friends. Like you can become like actually real friends with these people. And the other thing that's become so cool with my community, like I said, like going back to that bachelor example is it's like when you're engaged with your community and you're commenting and they're giving you feedback, like taking that feedback and continuing to make content out of that is always so helpful because you already know that there's this foundation of people that are interested in seeing what you're about to share. So it's like taking that feedback and then like putting content out around it, you're giving value back to your audience and to your community that they're literally asking for. Mm -hmm. So you know, it's going to do well, you know? So just like important that you're in the weeds a little bit, or even as a brand that you like have somebody working that's doing that because it can really help how you are kind of directing your content strategy as well. And it's so easy, like Instagram and Mm -hmm. you know, other platforms have made it so easy with polls. Like it's, Like, how can you not? (laughs) Yeah. I see it all of the time with these, like, like with, um, Marianne, Mariana, yeah. Yeah. Or like Ariel Charnas. It's like, they ask, they've, they've evolved into brands. They have like actual product offerings or retail brands. And it's like, they ask, like, do you want to see this? Or do you want to see this? Blah, blah. And they do like a series and it's having a social focus group. Like it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's so incredible. And uh, yeah, people underestimate just the power of that, which is, Mm -hmm. it's nuts. But, you know, I want to get into you as a content creator a little bit more and kind of your day-to-day. Obviously, it's it's different every day, Mm -hmm. but I'd love if you could give us or walk us through like a day in the life of a content creator and what you do on on specific days. Yeah, I mean, so it's like tough for me in the sense that I work a full-time job. So I do have, you know... I kind of, I'm very into like time batching and scheduling. I love time batching. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. I talk about it probably on every podcast or every platform that gives me an opportunity to discuss it. Um, So, you know, I will, I'll wake up in the morning and I'll probably spend like an hour on my phone before I like go to the gym or whatever, like kind of looking at what's going on. And what's nice about now being on the West coast is that, I've woken up and like things are kind of already happening on the East coast. So I can wake up a little early and still be in the loop. And so I kind of think about that, or I always am trying to capture content around my life or, you know, in my notes app, writing things that I think could be funny tweets, almost that I have like stock content that I can (laughs) batch out through the week. And so I'll kind of spend time looking through like that notes app. And I'm like, oh, is there anything that's like relevant to like turn into a tweet today? Or is there anything happening with like celebrity or entertainment or current events that, you know, I can make it to a tweet or post a meme about or make a TikTok out of, et cetera. Um, And so I think about it like that. And I might make like some content, but normally I make a lot of content on the weekends Mm -hmm. and then post it throughout the week. Um, But if there's something that breaks with like celebrity news, Uh, I might, you know, make like a quick TikTok video about it and then put it across Pinterest, Instagram, post it on Twitter or post something in text on Twitter Um, and thinking about like repurposing that content with purpose across multiple channels. And so 
that is more reactive. And what's nice almost about the celebrity stuff is like, I can capture a quick 30 second video and it really is like just me reacting. So it's not super curated. Yeah. Um, but I do, the big one is definitely having like the phone, the notes app tweets that, you know, what's relevant or what am I thinking at the time and writing that stuff down. And then, yeah, it does change day to day because some days might be a slower day. So like, I want to sit and pump out like, you know, five funny videos, or I want to, I've got video ideas that I actually want to turn into content that day. And like, I'll sit and record them in a batch. But a lot of the days it's like really reactive. Um, or it's more like things that I've kind of proactively made that I'm posting throughout the week. Yeah. And that's nice. Cause it's, it's like, it's funny in the moment. Like it's relevant yes. in the moment and you want to be able to post it right away. And sorry, that comes- answer was pure chaos, by the way, but that's literally <laughs> how it works. Like that was, no, that was no. like, there was no guide to that. It's like, if I have time, I shut it down and I make content or always in the morning. And then in the afternoon, like I will always, yeah. you know, between five and eight, do my celebrity news roundup during the week. If there's something in there that I want to make a video out of, I'll then go on TikTok and make a video out of that. Um, and that's like really how it is like in the morning and in the night. Cause I know I can't bank on time during the day. Yeah, no, no, that was, no, that was great. Cause I think with yourself as well, like you have that, you know, you have a full-time job during the day. Like it's a little bit more difficult to have that time during the day. So I also love time batching, but when it comes to creating content and, you know, I don't know about you, but sometimes I kind of go through this phase where I'll be really unmotivated or just like uninspired to create content Mm -hmm. because like I'll post the photo of the guest of the week, but then there's obviously things like in between that not filler photos, but like other posts that's not just the guest episode. Mm-hmm. And those times where I'm like, oh, I don't know what to do. Like I'm not, I'm not really in a creative spirit. How do you get over that that hump? Or like what do you do to kind of take a step back if you're not, you know, necessarily creative on a specific day where maybe you have time batched a content yeah. day or something? So there's a couple of things. Like I go back to that notes app. Like when I'm feeling creative, like I write every single thought that I think could be funny or relatable in my notes app, which is embarrassing, but it's true. (laughs) Like if I'm lying in bed and I'm like, I need to go to sleep where I'm trying to meditate and in meditating, like I come up with like a funny sentence, like I stop meditating and I write it down, which is madness, but it's true because I always find going back into those notes, like if I'm not feeling super inspired, like even just the act of like posting something that is old to me, but it's new to my audience is one thing. Right. So it's like, again, I have that kind of like stockpile of ideas or like tweets that I can then turn into content. So there's that piece, but also like, sometimes I will just force myself. And I think this is more around the nature of my work, but I think it could be applicable across other verticals. Like a lot of what I do is like writing, you know, quippy content or like humorous commentary. So it's like, I will go back to like my tried and true. Like I talk about Chris Evans all of the time, you know, or like I watched Mm -hmm. all the Marvel movies (laughs) in quarantine and that's like a big thing for my following. And it's like, yeah, I will just go and like try and make something like funny or interesting around something that's like tried and true that I know will perform well. Because when I see, I, I think this might be like superficial to say, but I think it's actually true. It's like when I see a piece of content do well, even if I'm not in the mood, it's motivating to me. Like it yeah. like kind of like changes my spirit. Um, and so I know that there's something that I think 
I'll post and it'll, it'll do well, or it's relatable. And that will always help like boost my morale, if you will, you know? Yeah. Um, and if not, then I just literally like double down on like who, like what happened in celebrity news today or what housewives is on TV tonight. And like, just like make something again that I know is like timely and that will like typically do well. So, but it doesn't have to be because it's timely, like the work and effort that it requires of me to come up with something funny is like less, if that makes sense, because I know it'll be like, it's relatable because it's happening right now. Yeah, no, 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 that totally makes sense. And I think too, when it comes to that type of content, like it's the best type of content. Yeah. Cause yeah, we can all just relate. Like when Benifer came out, I was like, oh my God, yes, <laughs> I want to exactly. know more. And that's what it is. Like, it's just, I feel fortunate. <laughs> it's so strange. I'm like, <laughs> I feel fortunate that these celebrities are always back. They're out and doing things because it's like, I have endless things that I can talk about now because I'm talking about other people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. We'll definitely need to have like a follow-up like podcast episode. Sure. But if people have questions. I'm happy yeah. to answer Absolutely. But, you know, before we end things off, I always like to ask two things. So the first is um, a pinch me moment that you've had during your career. Oh, yeah. So I think um, probably one of my biggest pinch me moments was, you know, through this evolution of my content, I started, you know, talking about pop culture. I started talking about entertainment news and celebrities. And I did these like daily roundups on my Instagram where Monday through Friday, I post like all of the celebrity news or entertainment news and sports news in this roundup on my stories. And like people really look forward to that. And that really helped drive conversation and engagement with um, my DMs. And so I was having all these conversations and I was like, I want to talk more about this. And mm-hmm. it was quarantine last year. I was in COVID. So I like started a podcast where I was like, yeah. I'm going to talk about, you know, a deep dive on a situation or, you know, the top five celebrity news stories of the week and like go a little bit more long form yeah. into the conversations that I've been having in the DMs. And what was so cool with launching my podcast, it's called One Last Thing, um, is that I started that last April. And then last year, I think it was in um, September or October, I can't recall, but I hit the top 100 in TV and culture in Canada and the US um, on Apple Podcasts. So it was so cool and pinched me because I was like, I started this podcast just to have like longer conversations, like monologues for people to listen. (laughs) And it just, you know, grew into people being like, can you do a deep dive on this? Or I love, like, can you talk about this? Or when people write a review, like it means everything to me. Like, I I think you could tell I'm like obsessed with my community. Yeah. Um, The best friends club, as I like to call it. (laughs) Because I literally like, I feel like you've been all of my best friends through like quarantine and everything. But having that podcast and then having it like, show in that top 100 was just so cool. Yeah, no, that's really huge. And it's, it's hard to get there. So that's such a huge moment and congratulations on that. (laughs) Um, And then the last question I had was advice that you've received throughout your career that you continue to take with you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love this question. I think, you know, advice that I've received was literally from my therapist. This is something that I tell everybody and I love it so much. And what she said to me when I was like going through a really difficult period was you can bend over backwards for people, but you should never break your back for them. Yeah. And I feel like that is a very great piece of advice that 
you know, speaks to your professional life, your personal life, intimate relationships that you have, like, and setting boundaries for yourself. And it's just like, you can give yourself to people. And I think about that in my content all the time too. It's like, I can give a lot of myself in the volume of content that I'm turning out. But like, if it starts to get to the point where like, I don't feel good or I'm not having fun, like, I don't need to break my back to keep doing it. And that's what I have to say, you know, I'm taking a beat. So I do love that piece of advice. Um, And I will also say one piece of advice that like, I love to give people that just like, has helped me so much in my career is like, just be nice. Like, just be nice. You do not have to be an asshole to be successful. Absolutely. So I just, I like to remind people of that too. (laughs) (laughs) No, I love that. Cause I think a lot of people forget that like it's that simple to just be nice. And, you know, I just wanted to say again, thank you so much for sitting down with me and just talking to me about all things content and all things um, behind the scenes about, you know, your career as a content creator. Cause I think, you know, what you're doing is so amazing. And I love the niche that you're in. And I, and I definitely look forward to the content that you put out. So I'm in your community and I'll always be supporting you on the sidelines. Thank you, Kyla. This was so much fun. I love what you're doing, having Thank other you. You know, like-minded women and people share their stories. This is amazing. I'm so happy to be a part of it. I appreciate it. 